Welcome in. Adam Munster Tiger here today with Forever Buff James Stefano, who was a place kicker at CU from 2017 to 2020. And uh, James, I know you've been in the process of moving. We've got this massive time difference between Colorado and, and Australia, but uh, I'm really glad we could finally connect and, and catch up here. Yeah, thanks for reaching out, mate. It's uh, always good to, to chat with you. And um, yeah, it is a big time difference. We got there in the end after a few uh, scheduling issues, but it's good to catch up. Yeah. So you and your wife welcomed your first child into the world your last year at CU, if memory serves, would, would that make her three years old now? She's going on three. Yeah, she's two and a half. Okay. She's grown up quickly. Yeah. Did you return to Australia right after finishing up at, at CU? Yeah, pretty much. I think we waited for to become a little bit easier with COVID and all those type of things, getting back into the country. But um, we got back in January of 2021. So, yeah, I mean, I retired um after what was it one game so gave it a real yeah. crack that season but um yeah came back in january the year after yeah what does your day-to-day life look like now i would imagine it's a, a lot of chasing chasing your daughter around chasing her around she keeps me on my toes it's good fun but um back to the nine to five mate working in a, in a human resource company and institute in australia and working in sales and um that's my that's my life now and still trying to train and fit in time to do everything so a lot more time with family because we obviously didn't didn't see them for a good you know four years the way we uh we did before going to america but um day to day is catching up with family catching up with friends working and yeah just spending as much time with the family as as we can which is great you took about as unusual a path to becoming a college football player as anyone could take so I wanted to touch on that a little bit before we talk about your time in Boulder. Uh, you know, first off, growing up in Australia, do a lot of people specialize in sports or, or did you play a lot of sports growing up? Yeah, it's it's similar to the States in terms of you've got this broad spectrum of, of sports to play and you can choose and you can play AFL, you can play soccer, you can play tennis, you've got the ability to swim, you you can you know, play cricket, you can do anything you want. Um but you sort of fall, you you fall into, you know, what you're good at really at the end of the day. And you sort of try and chase that. Um, that was my experience at least. And yeah, so I chose to play soccer growing up. Yeah. What made you gravitate towards soccer? Just the game. I just love the game. You know, I'd watch it. We'd had a team here, uh, you know, I was Greek background. Uh, my heritage is Greek. So we had a, a team that was, um, had a Greek um background to it you know if you can call it that and uh you know we watched them play at the top level in australia growing up for years and and that was good fun and um we were big supporters of them and um so i just learned to love the game and then support Manchester united in england and love that and my dream was always to play overseas so did you stand out pretty early on in soccer i'd like to think so yeah i, I did all right i was in all the you know center of excellence teams growing up and um, got picked and the schoolboys, the Australian team, the under 17s. And, um, you know, I, I got picked in a lot of those type of academy programs and played senior level at a, at a young age. I played my first game at 14 and senior level. And yeah, so I was fast tracked. And I'd, yeah, I thought I did quite well on that too. So yeah. And you played on multiple under 19 teams as well before you got selected for the national team, correct? Yeah, a lot of youth teams that were sort of feeder clubs to go into the top level in Australia. And then we had a bit of a hiatus in in this country in terms of the top level where they took a good three, four-year break to develop the new A-League. 
And unfortunately, when I was at that age group to sort of get to that top level, um, that's when Australian soccer took a bit of a hiatus and sort of missed the boat a little bit. But um, yeah. How would you compare the pressure of playing on the Australian national team compared to kicking a football in a college game? That's a good question. I mean, I was I was different in age. So I was 17 when I played in the Australian team in New Zealand and then I was 30 when I was kicking in, in college. So I think I'd matured a little bit throughout, you know, hopefully I did in those 12 to 13 years, but um, it was different. I mean, in soccer, you got 11 other players with you on the field and, you know, it's a lot more fast-paced than kicking a football and waiting on the sidelines and running on. Um, so... And it is a team sport, but it's a real individual moment. So, uh, I'd say kicking a football was a lot more, a lot more pressure, just because there's a lot more time to think, a lot more time to sort of, um, you know, you had to get your mindset right. That's it. Your mindset had to be spot on the whole time. So, yeah. You then played soccer professionally in Australia from 2005 to 2010. I'm assuming leg strength was a strong attribute you had playing soccer, but how would you describe the type of player you were for South Melbourne FC? And was it Hildenburg United that you were on? It was Heidelberg, yeah. Heidelberg. Um, I was a defender for both of those teams. At South Melbourne, I didn't play as much as I would have loved to have played. I was young. Um, Then I really broke out when I played at Heidelberg and um, got the attention, I suppose, when I was there. And... um, would polled really well in the under 21 player of the year voting and, and all that type of thing. And, um, I was a defender. I, um, I read the game really well. <clears throat> I was, I love to intercept. I put in a good tackle and my game was hitting a good diagonal ball. So it was getting the ball and looking up and hitting those distance balls. And I'd always have good penetration on those, those longer distance, um, passes. So it, yeah, that's where I got noticed to kick a football as well on the soccer field. So, yeah. That's what top player I was. What were those professional soccer teams like? Did you did you guys have some success? Uh, the the South Melbourne team. I won the championship in two thousand and six with them, and I was um, I think I started out of twenty one games. I started seven and came on in six. I was I appeared in thirteen games, and I was quite young. And then Heidelberg, we lost in the semi final before the grand final um, in in the playoffs, and we. Um, we had a really good team, but um, that that game, uh, that season, I started nearly every game, and then for the next year, I got osteitis pubis. So I don't know if you know that injury, but it's a pretty pretty chronic groin issue. Um, so yeah, it was had good had good success here as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We'll get into this more later on, but was that a similar injury that kind of cropped back up when you were at CU? I had groin problems at CU. I don't think anyone really knows the extent of my injuries when I was at CU, but um, yeah, I had groin problems. But did it did it coincide with the hip issues? I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I, it definitely played a part. Yeah, is professional soccer a similar setup to what you might see in the United States in terms of the MLS, or is it pretty different? It's no, in terms of the MLS, from what I saw, um, it's very similar. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. What what else does a sports professional sports landscape look like in Australia? You have like professional rugby leagues as well, correct? Uh, there's there's so many professional leagues, and they all compete to be the best, you know, code in in the country. And the Australian football leagues by far the most dominant sport. Um, but as a bit further north you go, <clears throat> so in New South Wales and Queensland, rugby is massive as well. So 
Um, but the AFL still still kicks the most goals. They're still the most dominant sport, most popular. And um, my team's not doing too well this year. They're, they're pretty shit house, really. So I can't really get into that as much as I'd want to. But um, yeah, soccer sort of hasn't really had the progression that they've been striving for for so many years. It doesn't get the media attention that it should get. It doesn't get enough publicity in the radio and that type of thing. And um, looks a little bit of the code's fault, but it's kind of the culture it has in this country as well. It doesn't really get the the attention it deserves. Did you keep trying to kind of fight through that injury to pl- keep playing professional soccer? Or did you know pretty, pretty quickly that you were going to have to kind of change gears? Yeah, it was tough. When I came back, I was out for nine months with that injury. Um, and then when I came back, I'd lost a yard of pace. You lose that, you know, you'd lose quite a bit. And then you've got to sort of revamp yourself into kind of a different player um, for the first year or two back in the game. But um, it was tough. It was a tough injury. Yeah. Not a broken bone or not a, you know, ACL or anything like that, but it's just chronic. It just doesn't go away. I don't think it ever does go away. So, yeah. Anybody that follows college football or the NFL is aware of Pro Kick Australia. I mean, Pro Kick has a great reputation for developing specialists. How do you go from playing professional soccer and dealing with that injury, hanging up the the soccer cleats to start place kicking a football? Yeah, um, Johnny Johnny Smith, who's down at Pro Kick, I mentioned him a lot many times in my time in the states. Um, and Chappie there, they run a unbelievable program. Um, it's just the the way they've got so many people to the states on on scholarships and the success that they've had and you know, Ray Guy Award winners and all, all that type of jazz, they've just been unbelievable in penetrating that that US market. And then now the guys in the US, in the um in the NFL. So they've got a lot of punters in the NFL now as well in Canada. So these guys are just killing it. But um yeah, Johnny was was hounding me for years to go down and, and commit to it. And it took six years for me to actually say, Yeah, let's go. And um yeah, we all know I was 30 at the time, but it did take a while because I had to transition from giving up on that soccer dream and saying, no, that's, that's, I've got to leave that in the, in the rear view and then keep going. And then, um, yeah, finally committed. But Johnny was so persistent with me, but patient at the same time. And then when I finally committed, he was, uh, he was pretty happy. So, um, it was, it was a good experience at pro kick. It was a really good experience. During that six years, were you showing up and doing, part-time workouts or was it just him trying to recruit him recruit you those six years I'd, I'd rock up every maybe twice a year in those in those times and you know he'd say to me you know you got to come more let's go you got to do this and um yeah I never really I never pictured myself moving abroad and playing sport uh, in terms of something different to soccer um I never thought of going abroad living and I had obviously Laura I met her and everything sort of, you know, you put it in the back burner. But um, when I did it, I'm happy I did it. And I thank Johnny every day still that, you know, he persisted with me and that um, that I ended up, you know, taking the plunge because I wouldn't want it any other way. Wouldn't change it for anything. So, When you take that plunge, is the goal immediately to play college football? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, I kind of go through things once I commit to something and I'm fully invested in something, I'm 100% in, 110% in. Um, so well, as soon as I said, yep, it's going to happen, I committed 100% to doing it. Um, and for me, it wasn't just college football. The, the aim was to play in the NFL. Um, 
and not reaching that goal, you know, it happens. But uh, that was the aim when I decided to commit. That was that was the aim. You mentioned the Ray Guy Awards. It's mostly punters, right? How many kickers were training with you? Well, it was when I started kicking, some of the punters would kick as well. Um, and we had a couple of guys that would kick and, you know, they were trying to do it all um, to be, you know, kick off, kicking and punting. Um, but there were no other kickers per se. And then when I did come over, though, there was uh, Ryan Meskel who ended up playing at Hawaii. Um, he's in Canada now in the CFL, but um, he we developed a really close relationship as well. And we were, we were good mates and he was a soccer goalkeeper. So we came from the same type of background and, yeah, he ended up kicking in Hawaii and I think he was a Lou Groza semi-finalist as well one year. So he had a he had a good experience too and did quite well. How long from the time you take that plunge and start training hard with pro kick, do you transition from that part of the process to actually getting recruited by schools? Um, I'm trying to remember. It was all kind of a blur because uh, there was a lot of changes in my life back home at the time as well. So I was just fully committed to getting over. Um, I'm just trying to remember exactly the way the process went. So started kicking with Johnny and, it, you know, as long as you get good film, as long as you can put some good consistent film together and, um, you know, and they got that to sort of circulate it around to schools, then you start getting, you start getting some offers, um, some interest. And I had quite a few conversations with different schools um, quite quickly, I think. I think it was about three to six months that it all sort of started happening. So pretty quickly. Was Colorado kind of the, the front runner from the beginning or, or did you, you know, listen to some other schools and kind of consider some other options? Well, there was a coach, uh, Coach Mayer from uh, Hawaii that he was just a top bloke. He was a top guy. He, um, he flew out to Australia a couple of times to come see me and um, wanted me to go to Hawaii with him. And that was, we sort of wanted to go to the mainland. We wanted to go, you know, and really experience it. So it was never, you know, I was close to going there, but just because of the way he was, he was a champion guy. Um, so Hawaii was there for a while, then spoke to um, the Longhorns and um, Charlie Strong had just got fired. So that sort of stopped all that. Um, and then spoke to Houston, had a couple of chats with, you know, Maryland was an option. Um, but when Colorado sort of came, came along and we had a look at Boulder and had a look at, you know, uh, what it was all about. It was pretty easy after that. We just, we just picked CU and had a chat with coach Mac who, um, I can't say enough good things about coach Mac and the way he welcomed me into CU. He was awesome. Um, and he's still got a good relationship with pro kick as well. So I like, like to think I had something to do with that. Um, but, uh, he was really good from the get go and, you know, I just committed to see you and Matt Thompson as well. Can't forget him. Still talk to him every now and then. But um, he was great to great to be around. And he just, those guys just helped me so much when I came over there. And um, I'm really glad I made that decision to go to see you. When you get on the plane to come out to Colorado, where, where do you fly to get into Denver? I flew to LA and then okay. straight to Denver from there. Yeah, it was pretty easy. Really easy. Did you do a lot of research on Colorado? Did you have any sense for kind of what you were going to experience when you took your first trip out to, to Boulder? Not really, mate. I just wanted to come with no expectations, uh, blank canvas, and just see what happened. Um, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, glad I did. Well, do, you, do you remember anything about that trip? Things that maybe were surprising as compared to you know, where you've come from? Um, 
speaking the same language was a good thing, obviously, going to a different country, speaking the same language and um, all that type of thing. But it was more so when I first arrived, I remember uh, Daniel DePrado, Coach DePrado and Matt Thompson picked me up from the airport. And um, I just remember not being able to breathe half the time because of the altitude and, and that type of thing. But, uh, you know, they were really good. They took me straight to the stadium and had a look there and because I never did an official um, tour or anything like that, an official visit. Um, so for me, it was, that was the first of everything. And, uh, you know, I was leaving my, my wife back at home. I just got married and it, everything was just so fresh that, um, everything was a blur. But as I, as I say, it was just the people, mate, the people, for me, people make the place and people make, um, your experiences, what they are. And the people in Colorado within CU, um, I couldn't have asked for better people to be around. So it was that, that was what made it for me. When was your wife able to come out and join you in Boulder? Three months later. So I was there okay. for three months by myself. Yeah. 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 I remember you talking about the fact that Australia is Americanized in TV and culture. So that wasn't as big a shock. But I, I remember you saying that the food portions kind of surprised you when you came yeah, out, right? They're, they're quite a bit bigger over here. I went to Cosmo's Pizza the first, I think it was the first night I was there. It might have been the second night I was there. And I ordered a large pizza over the phone to go pick up. And they're like, oh, um, you sure you want a large one, the big one? I go, yeah, well, it's a, it's a large pizza. Like, I always eat a large pizza. And I rocked up and I couldn't fit the thing out the door. So <laughs> I, remember, I remember taking it back to the apartment. I hadn't really met anyone yet. And I'm like, no one can even help me eat it. So I ended up giving it to a couple of the homeless guys down the, down the parking lot, just the rest that I had. So I, mean, I couldn't even finish it. But, yeah, the food portions were – I got used to it and they were great after that. Now I come back to Australia and I get a large – Macca's meal, uh, McDonald's meal, and I'm like, what the hell is this? So that's <laughs> different, yeah. You mentioned the fact that you came in as a 30-year-old true freshman. Uh, you knew you were going to be older than your teammates in the locker room, but but it did feel like you fit in pretty well. Uh, did it ever get annoying the, the number of times that media folks or you know people would kind of bring up your age? Was it something that you just kind of wanted – uh, to, to go about your business and not, not have that storyline kind of looming over you all the time? Yeah, when you're in the thick of it, yeah, it did get a little annoying. Uh, but you understand they've got a job to do as well. Um, I mean, I was studying journalism as well, so I understood when you fix on and get on a topic, you got to ask those questions because it's something so unique, so I understood. Um, but when you're in the thick of it playing and, you know, my first year I thought I was flying and doing really well and the questions I was still getting was about my age a lot of the time. Um, and I thought that was just leave it alone and, and let's focus on what's happening on the field. But I mean, I was as old as some coaches, so I copped enough. I copped it enough in the uh, in the locker room and around the banter around the the team, which for me is fine. But yeah, it became a little annoying, but nothing that you know affected you too much. But it really was not much of an issue in the locker room, right? It seemed like the guys kind of took you in right away. Yeah, of course, of course. But when I went to parties and stuff, they still freaked out seeing me. They're like, "What are you doing here?" Like. You know, it was pretty funny. So, yeah, it was good. It's good fun. When you go out there for your first kick against CSU in 2017, it's a 39-yarder. What's running yeah. through your mind? Make the kick. That's it. I just not want to miss that kick. It was my first kick, and um, I was actually injured coming into that game. Um, I sort of had a stress reaction in my uh, left leg, and I had strained my calf in my right leg. So I remember Chris taking the PATs and – uh, and then Coach Mack just looked at me. He goes, "You ready to go? Do you want to kick?" I said, "Yeah, of course I want to kick." So, um, 
the main thing was just don't miss. That's the only thing. I wasn't even thinking about process. It sort of came to me because you work hard in the in the um, you work hard on the training ground, and all you think about is just making that kick. And you know, having the guys like JT and TJ with me, and those guys were great that first year. So it made it so much easier. You go on to make ten of your first eleven field goals, the third best start to a kicking career at CU. Your 53-yarder against Arizona was the second longest by a freshman. You're a first-team freshman All-American, the team's most outstanding freshman, 35 for 35 on extra points. The third buff to be a semifinalist for the Lou Groza Award. What would it feel like to take this big risk to come over to the United States to play college football at 30 years old and then be able to parlay that into success? I would imagine that was a pretty good feeling. It's rewarding. It's overwhelming. Um you know, you think of where you came from and, you know, how hard you've been chasing success in sport and then not to have it in soccer but in another sport, it was it was strange. It was weird for me. Um, but as I said, once I fully commit to something, I fully commit to it and I felt like that was really rewarding um, that first season I had. Um, and I remember, I think it was the last scrimmage before the season, I doinked two off the upright. I was like, hit right upright, hit the left upright. Um, that, that were the first pressure kicks I really had, but I was like, oh, here we go. What's going to happen here? But, um, going on to start like that and having that first year was, it was really rewarding. Yeah. I wanted to go on with it after that. And obviously a few things got in the way, but, um, that first season I was, yeah, sky high. It was great. Yeah. What are, what are your conversations like with your wife during that season with, with the success you were having? Um, we didn't talk, we don't talk about football much. I don't know. It wasn't. It was, you know, when I talked about it, she'd always talk about it with me or certain things, but we just embraced it, just enjoyed the moment. And, um, you know, I wish we had a bit more team success, especially coming from the year before I got there, um, you know, um, the team having so much success in the Pac-12. And obviously we went five and seven that first year. I, I wish we had a little bit more team success and that was a big focus of mine. I wanted to, to win games because I love winning. Like, I feel like... Um, you should hate losing more than you love winning. And, you know, we lost seven that year. So that was sort of took a little bit of, a little bit of sparkle off it all. But, um, you know, we still just sat back and sometimes we looked at each other and said, where are we? What are we doing? Like, how do we get here? Um, that was the main thing. It was more surreal than anything else. Yeah. I thought the injury started your sophomore year in 2018, but you said even before your first kick, you were already kind of having some issues. Yeah, I, I had issues. I mean, I was 30 years old, played sport my whole life, and then I went to do something different, which, you know, a lot of people think kicking is just kicking a ball, but it's really a violent motion. I said that a few times. It's giving yourself, you know, you're trying to kick the ball at, um, at that accuracy and trying to get that height and trying to lift. And it looks, it looks composed, it looks calm, it looks quite smooth, but it's a violent action. Um, you know, and I think one, of, I think it was yourself or Brian compared it to the pitcher in baseball. Um, it's the same type of thing, you know, you've got only so many, so many K's in the legs or miles in the legs, but, um, I was feeling injuries from that first year before that first game, I was kind of nicked up and, but the first season I was, I was probably the healthiest I'd been. Um, but towards the end of the first year when it got cold and, you know, you're, you're training in the morning and you're waking up and it's. Oh, I think one morning was minus 23 degrees Celsius, which for me, I've ne never experienced anything like that. My bones are just sort of going, man, what are you doing? Like, so we, um, 
yeah, it was. I'd, I'd suffered a few injuries. Yeah, yeah. Had a really good start to the 2019 season. Made your first 10 field goals, and that matched Mason Crosby's streak. I'm sure you knew by then who Mason Crosby was, right? Was it kind of fun to, to chase some of his records at CU? Yeah, of course. I mean, look, players always tell you the individual stuff and the records don't matter, but they do. Deep down as a player, like it's recognition. It's it's not recognition from anyone else other than the hard work you've put in for yourself. Um, it's sort of rewarding for that. Um, everybody loves a bit of praise as well. So when, you, when you're sort of equaling records from a guy that, you know, has played how many years in the league and has been such a stalwart. He's, he's you know, done so well. Um, you know, probably one of the greatest kickers of all time, really. So he, um, it, it was great. It was, it was great. It was great to do that. What was your, your favorite kick ever as a kicker at CU? That's a great question. Um, it, the Nebraska one was massive for me. Um, yeah, it was only 34 yards, but, um, being in overtime and, you know, having the stadium full of red, really, um, our own stadium and, um, the CU fans did make a lot of noise that day though. So that was good, but that was a massive kick for me, especially after the last year where Visca sort of bailed me out and made that catch in the end zone. And then, you know, I'd missed two field goals, which I wouldn't have missed, you know, usually, but I did. Um, I was suffering a bit of an injury, so he bailed me out. But I just wanted to, I wanted to rectify that and come back. And I knew I was going to have an opportunity that game. I just knew it was going to be a close game. So that was a big kick for me. Um, the 53-yarder in Arizona State was massive for me as well. Um, but the still, I just love that stadium, Arizona State, again, in that same year. We beat Nebraska, hitting that one with two minutes left. And I saw the boys, they really wanted to win that game. We wanted to win every game, but they busted, they busted their asses that game our our guys and just to be able to sort of put us three points up with two minutes to go whatever it was um that was really rewarding that was really rewarding away from home you ended your career playing in 29 games with the buffs and finished to see his all-time leader in pat percentage at 98.97 percent i can't remember which which game did you miss an extra point in it was a blocked kick against air force yeah okay. yeah and 34 field goals made were fifth most in CU history. 199 points ranks fourth most in kick scoring. We've talked about the injuries. I know you would have liked to have been healthy all the way through, but you know, how much pride do you take when you look back on that era of your life and, and being a kicker at CU? Um, yeah, I do take pride in it. I do. It's You have to, I think. You know, I never played the sport. Yes, it's kicking a ball. It's not – a lot of people don't think it's playing football, but – um, it's still a completely different sport. You're in a completely different world. You're in another country. You're competing against. I had to go win my spot. You know, just because I was given a scholarship and I was recruited from Australia, I had to go battle for my spot in that first year. And um, even beating guys out that had been playing it their whole life um, from school, you know, that that was a big thing for me. Um, and I'm a very competitive person. You can ask. I'm playing soccer back home now again, and. You know, you can ask my teammates here. I think I've gone to another level in terms of competitiveness. I just want to win every game and win every situation and um, just come out on top. So when I look back on my career at CU and what I achieved, um, I just think of all the people as well that were at CU from, you know, even the guys at the start, my teammates like your Ryan Molers and Eddie Lopez's that, you know, took me in and helped me and made me feel comfortable and then coaches that, 
you know, Matt Thompson, I swear, he'd wanted to kick me out of his office a million times. Yeah, just, I just kept hounding him for film and let's do this and let's do that. And, um, you know, we're great mates and we'll be lifelong mates with all those guys. And then, you know, you look back and I, it's just people for me. Like I look back and I, I, I worked hard and I had some success, but the people, the relationships that I made and formed and even you guys in the media, like you and Brian, you know, you always want me to feel comfortable and always understood where I was coming from and how to sort of, how to ask questions, how to get the best responses and how to make people feel comfortable. Um, it just was one of the best places to play. So I, I want to see you a lot. And I don't know what would happen if I went to another school, but CU was awesome and really helped me get that success that I had in, over those years. So I do look back with pride and I look back wishing that it never had to end really, but that's what happens. That's, that's the life of sport. Were folks back in Australia able to watch any games or, you know, kind of keep tabs on you in terms of what you were doing in games? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't realize how many people were actually keeping tabs on what I was doing. Um, you know, I bump into people all the time and people I haven't seen in maybe, you know, seven, eight years that go, oh, how, how was it over there? How did it go? What, what was it like, you know? Um, I'm on the soccer field and playing against guys that I didn't know, but they're like, oh, you were a kicker in America, yeah? Like, you played in America. I was like, yeah, how do you know? Oh, you know, everyone talks about it. Everyone knew. Everyone, it, was, it was a big thing. So um, it's humbling, but, um, yeah, everybody, my family was all over it, you know. I had so much support from home as well. So uh, it was, yeah, everyone got a chance to, to see. Everyone got a chance to watch, yeah. Was it? a little difficult assimilating back just after having spent, you know, so, so many years in, in the United States or was it a pretty smooth transition transition uh, back home? It was tough. It was tough. Um, it was tough because of not just, not just because of going back to Australia, but I think it was tough because of what was happening in the world, just COVID, just people had changed. I mean, Melbourne was the most locked down country, uh, state, city, I should say in the world. Um, so we endured, big lockdowns and when I came back I saw family friends that had changed they were people were different it affected them um so it was tough adjusting back to that and it was always going to be a culture shock coming back no matter even if that situation didn't exist but it was definitely tough coming back but I feel like it took us about a year year and a half to settle back in and um now we're there we just moved house um you know so we're well and truly settled back in. We're both working. We've got a little boy on the way. Um, he's Congrats. due. Yeah, thanks. He's due in just a couple of months. So um, growing the family and definitely settle back in. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Is it still restricted over there now with COVID or what's what's it look like in that sense? Everything just kind of finished up now. Traveling's still difficult, but in terms of mandates and, and all that type of jazz, everything just sort of was dropped only about, I think, a week ago. So. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Before we started recording, you said you kind of keep try to keep tabs on the buffs. What What are just your thoughts from Australia as as Colorado tries to you know exceed those outside expectations here in year three under Carl Durrell? Yeah. Like I just hope we have some success. I still watch it. I get up and watch every game if I can. Um, you know, and I was watching. Um, obviously, my teammates now that I played with, there's not as many left in the team. As they, as you know, they will graduate, they will move on. But the transfer portal's nuts now. So, but I do believe in it. I do believe everyone, if they, if you know, they put so much effort into it, um, if they want to go somewhere else for a better opportunity and that type of thing, if that's how they feel, then so be it. Um, sad to see some guys go. 
Um, but it is their choice and you've got to respect that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how we're building. It's sort of hard being so far away to see the ins and outs. And, um, you know, I was watching last year, I watched so many games and Josh was still there. So I was watching him pun all the time and we'd talk after nearly every game and, you know, I'd say, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? So I was well into it. I was still really invested into it. Um, but I just hope we can get some success. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how we go. I, yeah, from what I'm reading, it's not going to be a great season, but, you know, hopefully with backs up against the wall, you know, you just find that extra bit and hopefully our efforts good, our structures are good and we can um, we can make some noise, but we'll see how we go. Awesome. Well, James, you, like we had mentioned, yeah, you're in the process of a move. You've got a budding family. Congrats again on Thanks, the upcoming uh, birth of your son and really enjoy catching up with you. Always appreciated kind of the uh, way you, you went about everything at CU. A, a lot of respect for you and, and uh, best of luck going forward. Uh, definitely keep in touch. Yeah, for sure, mate. Likewise, so much respect to you guys. Um, you guys were great the whole time. And yeah, thanks for reaching out. It does mean a lot. Um, so really good to catch up. And yeah, let's keep in touch for sure.